Chapter 32 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The Sin of a Twin Soul. Your Holiness, said the Captain of the Sacred Guard as he entered the Parliament, the twin soul Ard Solus and Moga has sinned against the laws and religion of Egyplosis. I crave permission to bring the guilty pair before the goddess with evidence of their guilt. The goddess, answering quickly, ordered the priest and priestess to be produced. The captain thereupon commanded his wayleels to bring the prisoners into the audience chamber. Shrinking between her guards, the priestess Murga appeared to be bearing in her arms a lovely babe, a rosy duplicate of herself. Following her came the priest Ard Solus, also a prisoner. The priestess was the picture of petite girlish beauty. Her delicate rose complexion was flushed with a feeling of shame, and her handsome hazel eyes, dilated with vexation and sorrow, were filled with tears. Her lover was tall, straight and athletic, with a proud, fine-cut face. The down of manhood was just showing itself on his upper lip. "'I feel sorry for you both,' said the goddess. "'Did you weary of the joys of Egyplosis?' Ard Solus threw back over his shoulder a falling fold of his white burnoose, and, drawing himself proudly up, replied, "'Yes, Your Holiness, our life here is an imprisonment. We have grown weary of its restraint, and are eager to return to the outer world with all its cares and freedom.' The Chamberlain, at this moment, announced the arrival of the High Priest Hushnoli, the secular as well as the sacred governor of Egyplosis, and the High Priestess Zuli Soas, who both entered the presence chamber. Hushnoli, saluting the goddess, announced that he had come in search of the erring twin soul. The high priest was astonished beyond expression at finding sin and shame in so glorious a retreat. Addressing the weeping girl, he said, Do you know, my child, how unfortunate you have been? You have committed the unpardonable sin in a temple of hopeless love. Did you not think your lifelong vows of celibacy and of the deep and tender joy of romantic love? Murga only replied by clasping her babe still closer to her breast and bathing it with her tears. "'What excuse do you offer for your crime against yourself, your religion and your fellow priests?' demanded the high priest of Ard Solus. "'Your Highness,' said the youth, "'we have, after due experience of our vows, arrived at the conclusion that such vows are a violation of nature. Everything here bids us love, but the artificial system under which we have lived arbitrarily draws a line and says thus far and no further.' your system may suit disembodied spirits if such exist but not beings of flesh and blood it is an outrage on nature we desire to leave egyplosis and return to the common ways of men we may be there unfortunate but we will be free this rarefied atmosphere stifles us the high priest was horrified never before had a twin soul been so sinful so consummatious it revealed a state of things too terrible to contemplate if such conduct became contagious, it meant the ruin of Egyplosis. I could detect, however, in the sight of the goddess, a certain sympathy for the prisoners, which perhaps it would just then be very impolitic for her to reveal. It was clear that beneath all this ideal joy lay a slumbering volcano of passion that only awaited a favourable moment for a fierce outbreak. The laws of this strange faith seemed not to have contemplated that to avoid temptation is the only security of moral strength, and that to seek temptation is to paralyse the moral fibres of the soul. The high priest grew pale with excitement. "'Are you aware of the enormity of your offence?' said he to the defiant youth. "'For a moment of sinful delight you destroy your interregnum of a hundred years of blessedness, and you, each of you, have delivered a blow at earthly immortality. 
The success of our religious system is proven by the fact that we have already lengthened the life of our hierophants 100 years, or twice the duration of life in the outer world of Bimbisarol. This is the last of many outbreaks of malfeasance to vows made in deliberation, and a fresh exhibition of treason in the sacred college of souls. I tell you this, said the youth in reply, you are slumbering on the edge of a volcano. There are thousands of twin souls ready to cast off this yoke. They only await a leader to break out in open revolt. Then, sir, we will take care that you are not their leader. We shall suppress you, as we have all similar cases, in the cells of the fortress. Neither Egyplosis nor Atvatbar will hear of your crime. His Majesty the King will, I have no doubt, acquiesce in the wisdom of such a sentence. The punishment is no greater than the crime, said the High Priestess. I despair of Egyplosis if such crimes become frequent. What will our goddess think? What will Atvatbar think of our holy temple when its own priests, the sacred devotees of Harakar, the ministers of the supreme goddess and teachers of the people in their holy religion are found traitors? Will the government support rebellious and sinful souls in every luxury for the senses, with every possible means for developing and achieving spiritual mastery over the physical world, on the sole condition of hopeless love? It will not. Hence, I say, this disobedience must be quenched in the spark, or it will break out in ruin to our whole religious institution. Your punishment, said the high priest, unless you will repent of your misdeed, give up possession of your offspring, and live ever afterward as holy priests of hopeless love, will be separate and solitary confinement for life in the fortress. You will both be simply obliterated from the world. As the high priest uttered these words, the mother priestess gave a cry of terror, and, grasping her infant convulsively, gazed with an appealing glance at the goddess. We refuse to live as hypocrites, said the youth. We are no longer twin souls. We are man and wife, and demand to be set free. Will each of you, said the goddess, renounce that obedience that makes you factors of deities? Will you dethrone ideal love? Will you throw away palaces and gardens and flowers? Will you forswear the delight of the companionship of twin souls? We wish to be free, your holiness, said the youth with firm, set lips. Do you no longer value the secrets of magic and sorcery? Do you renounce initiation into the secrets of nature to possess creative force, to taste elixir of life, the secret of the transformation of metals, and, above all, the blessedness of nirvana? Knowing that love dies in possession, do you desire to step forth from paradise into a hard, cold, realistic world, where every experience is a spear driven into the flesh? We dare our fate, replied the youth. We ask you, goddess, to set us free. I will bring you both before the spiritual council, said Hushnoli. And, as you are aware, the sentence of the council as prescribed by the constitution of Egyplosis will be that you, each of you, be imprisoned in separate cells for life, and the child removed and cared for in a distant part of the kingdom. You will henceforth be obliterated from life. The lovers convulsively embraced each other, the beautiful Murga weeping bitterly. We will accept the punishment, said Arsolus, because we will give courage to the many twin souls already imprisoned, and to those who as ardently desire freedom as ourselves. They will never forget that we are fighting their battle against a monstrous wrong. Guards, remove the prisoners, said the high priest. Can nothing that I might say mitigate their punishment? said the goddess. Your holiness is aware, said Hushnoli, that the laws of Egyplosis admit no other interpretation than that prescribed for such a case as this. The foundation of the religion of Atvatabad must be preserved at any cost. I urge for mercy, said the goddess, who honoured the prisoners with her tears. End of chapter 32